1998, I founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. I did it because I had a few talented friends who needed a place to take their art to the next level. And because I knew there had to be more voices out there waiting to be heard. And because I wanted to go to an open mic where at least two out of three poems didn't suck. My name is Tracy Smith, and this is the KZU Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like, the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one limited moment that never crossed into the I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. Welcome. This week's Keizu Slamcast features the great Buddy Wakefield and was recorded in October of 2001. Don Sailor hosts the open mic. James Dixon hosts the slam. But you're not going to hear the slam until next week because the show timed out at about 70 minutes. And I felt like that was a little bit long, even for a guy who spent over 10 years of his life doing performance poetry. It seemed a little long to me. So we're going to cut it up into two parts. You'll hear a little bit of Buddy Wakefield in the open mic, and then you'll hear some open mic, and then half of Buddy's feature, and then next week we'll give you the second half of Buddy's feature and the slam. It's a really good show. Maybe, maybe, maybe not for me to say, maybe. One of our best, maybe. See what you think. Place everywhere. Nobody ever helped me into carriages or over mud puddles or gives me the best place. And ain't I a woman? Look at me, look at my arm. I have plowed and planted and gathered into barns and no man could head me. And ain't I a woman? I, uh, ooh, wait there, I could work as much and eat as much as a man when I could get to it and bear the lash as well. And ain't I a woman? I have borne 13 children and seen most all sold into slavery. And when I cried out a mother's grief, no one but Jesus heard me. And ain't I a woman? That little man in black there say, a woman can't have as much rights as a man because Christ wasn't a woman. And where did your Christ come from? From God and a woman. Man ain't got nothing to do with him. If the first woman ever God ever made was strong enough to turn the whole world upside down all alone, together, women ought to be able to turn it right side up again. All right, dude. I'm so, I'm so excited. <laughs> all right. So how many people were here when Buddy came before? Everybody clap. Yay for Buddy! Okay, well, Buddy Wakefield is back. <laughs> so all of you guys are, oh my God. All right, so this guy comes from Seattle, and I really like him a lot. <laughs> so would you all clap really, really, really loud for Buddy Wakefield, yay! All right, hey, how's it going, Kalamazoo? Uh, what? Okay, all right. Hey, Dawn, never mind, got it. It's under. Hey, I'm gonna do, I've never done this before where I get to feature and be in the open mic. So I'm just gonna do one, 
I'm going to do my worst one, so if you like it, then you stick around for the feature. This is, this is brand new. This is only the third time I've performed this, so if I fuck it up, pretend it just didn't even happen. All right. Okay. <clears throat> um, Border Patrol fella says to me a couple weeks ago on my way back from Canada, Turn off the engine, hand me the keys, pop the trunk, and I'll need to see some proof that you're an American citizen. Driver's license ain't gonna cut it. You've been watching news the last couple weeks? You need to have either a birth certificate or a passport if you wanna cross. Do you have either of those things? No? Okay. You'll have that for me next time. Who was the 16th president of the United States? Come on, you need to know this if you want to cross. This will prove to me you're American since you failed to bring me the proper identification. Okay, now I would have challenged his intelligence, y'all, but there was nothing there. Maybe that's what stumped me. I had nothing for him. I didn't move. I didn't speak. I didn't give him anything I should have given him. I really wanted to give him my famous uppercut, the one where I say, I don't know, officer, but I bet you can tell me who the 16th president was. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And who are the 11th, 4th, and 22nd presidents? What's the matter? You only know number 16? But I didn't. I just sat there. I didn't even give him my left hook, the one that would have let him know how on the day they were teaching the presidential batting order, I was absent. In fact, that day, I was learning instead how the Bodhisattva actually reached enlightenment but refused to stay there until he, could, until he could come back and bring everyone else into enlightenment with him. I think it's safe to say he hasn't gotten to you yet. But, but I didn't say that. I, I just sat there stumped, absolutely stumped by his attitude. And by the way, I just sat there stumped. I mean, it wasn't like I had somewhere to be. I'm a traveling poet. We're encouraged to miss gigs for jail time if we're doing it for the sake of integrity. <laughs> but I answered to him. I even gulped once. Come on. You need to tell me who the 16th president was if you want to pass. You know this. He was assassinated. Okay, officer was killing me, y'all. My knockout punch was so ready to come from the hip and remind him that I don't want no more of your political words. And you can keep all your souped-up, blown-up mechanical birds crowding out the runways without having checked the truth because the only flights they ever take just tend to ground the few of us who've been coming up short for saviors and thrashing around for the light while the beauty of it all gets tangled up in kite strings like the night that I forgot to tell him. I don't remember number 16. That day, I was learning how to sing for children who will never quite make your grade, whose ears fall off every time you talk about the ultimately worthless money we make to pay for educations that will not see enough of us through because it's lovers and moms that got to eat the bombs getting dropped by pricks like you and if your captain's here i'd like to speak with him too see i'm god solid right now you condescending hierarchical whore and i'm going so easy on you i should be dropping word combos you need permission to get up from standing there all stealth with your big gun and the threat of arrest hanging over my head just for having an opinion and the feeling of fuck you and your borders because i've never been good with presidents or division Abraham Lincoln.
Plath and Ezra Pound, they were my teachers. At first, in my awkward way, I tried, but never fully understood their beauty or their pain or how to write at things in that gentle, skillful way. Neruda taught me how to always be truthful. He could write fire in our hearts by simply rubbing some words together. He wrote quiet poems about tyranny that came from the fist and love poems full of hope that flowed from the wrist. Plath and Pound, like me, both led chaotic, troubled lives, were often misunderstood. They taught me how to speak of injustice and sadness without seeming bitter or complaining. For them, life was always the palette and never the painting. Stevens could sail quietly, unnoticed across this intimate sea of upturned faces. He taught me how to be very still, to observe the relationship between experience and art, to know why they rarely touched but were seldom seen far apart, and to one day learn that a metaphor is so much more than just familiar words spun together, crafted in meaning and time, carefully strummed by someone on a, upon a blue guitar. It's a teardrop from the mind's eye that can soothe old scars, and that a good poem can, for just an instant, stop the earth. We have Charlie and then we have Barry, all right? Everybody clap for Charlie and clap for Barry, okay? Cool. Hello. Uh, uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically, I can say that word. For me, I'm not, not only am I not going to sing, but I'm going to read something that somebody else wrote. Last week, uh, Mark, what's his name, Smith, was here, and he read some Carl uh, Sandburg, and uh, freaked me out, man. <laughs> so I went to the used bookstore and got some more Carl Sandburg, and if I can find the one I'm going to read you. Maybe it'll freak you out, too. It's called Killers. I am put high over all others in the city today. I am the killer who kills for those who wish a killing today. Here is a strong young man who killed. There was a driving wind of city dust and horse dung blowing, and he stood at an intersection of five sewers, and there pumped the bullets of an automatic pistol into another man, a fellow citizen. Therefore, the prosecuting attorneys, fellow citizens, and a jury of his peers, also fellow citizens, Listen to the testimony of other fellow citizens, policemen, doctors, and after a verdict of guilty, the judge, a fellow citizen, said, I sentence you to be hanged by the neck till you are dead. So there is a killer to be killed, and I am the killer. The killer of the killer for today. I don't know why it beats in my head. It beats in my head in the lines I once read, once in an old school reader. 
I'm to, que I'm to be queen of the May, mother. I'm to be queen of the May. Anyhow, it comes back in language just like that today. I am the high honorable killer today. There are five million people in this state, five million killers for whom I kill. I am the killer who kills today for five million killers who wish a killing. I have been told that this crowd doesn't particularly like long-winded introductions, but tough shit. This Thursday is a very important anniversary. It's October 25th. On April 17th, 1997, I was diagnosed with embryonal cell carcinoma. Seven months later, my doctor told me I was in remission. That was four years ago. While I was taking the chemotherapy and all that, I really got into stuff that was inspirational. And this one particular bit is about fellowship and defiance and courage in the face of great odds. And I used to repeat it to myself when I just couldn't do anything else. It's called the Christmas Day speech. It's from Henry V. I've done it here before. Um, this is the first time I'm doing it here sober. Um, and the reason why it's important is because it's the speech that Henry V gives right before the Battle of Agincourt. And according to the old Julian calendar, St. Crispin's Day is October 25th. So. He that hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart. His passport shall be made, and crowns for convoy put in his purse. We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Crispin. He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand a tiptoe when this day is named and rouse him to the name of Crispian. He that outlives this day and sees old age will yearly on the vigil feast his neighbors and say tomorrow is St. Crispin's. Then will he strip his sleeve and show his scars and say these wounds I had on Crispin's day. Old men forget, yet all else be forgot. He'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then will our names familiar in their mouths as household words be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. And this story shall the good man teach his son. And Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he that shed his blood with me this day shall be my brother, be he ne'er so vile. This day shall gentle his condition and gentlemen in England now abed will think themselves accursed they were not here 
and hold their manhoods cheap whilst any speaks who fought with us on St. Crispin's Day. Okay, and so then, on a, on a, on a, on a November 13th, we have this really great guy who was, uh, he was in New York with me when I was out there. Uh, his name is Kevin Koval, and he's coming up from Chicago, and he really, 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 really rocks really hard. So that's November uh, 13th, okay? Got that? <laughs> oh, and hey, we're still doing that. I totally forgot. Well, I didn't forget, but, you know. Um, all the money that uh, we raised this month, is uh, we're donating it to the Firefighters Fund. For all of you guys who don't know, that's Tracy's idea. He's the brilliant man behind the soundboard. <laughs> all right, next up on the open mic. And then we're going to take a break. And you have long enough that it takes me to smoke. Now remember, I'm a waitress, and I have to sneak out really quick to have cigarettes. So make it quick, or else I'll beat you up. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I'm tough. I'm tough. You don't know. You don't know. So, and then you all have to come back in and drink beer. And, you know, I don't know the new bartender's name. What is your name? Carrie? Hey, everybody say hi, Carrie. She's your wonderful bartender. She makes sure that you get drunk tonight. You should tip her and hook her up because she works really hard. All right? Okay. And then come back and we are going to converge and we're going to have Buddy. So, I'm so happy that this chick is back. She's been fluttering around. Well, I've been fluttering. She's been raising and, and living and loving. And this is Beth. Clap for Beth. Wow, I haven't been up here in a while. All right. Her skirt is a map of her journey, a patchwork of plaid continents on an ocean of folds. Silk scarves tangle with loose ropes of hair grown wild as summer weeds unplucked. The air around her dances to the music of her ankle bells and silver bangles. Her bare feet, blackened into soft leather soles, tread the world free of commitments. You will not keep her still with bargains or trades. She is the very essence of leaving, an entire life packed on a back made strong by lifting and carrying what others might have left behind. A vagabond, homeless and hardy as the wind, her body changes with the seasons, slender and agile as a reed under the sun, thick and tightly packed against winter's chill. She is the walking woman, traveling the girth of the planet with one lengthy stride. No sweet words from you will make her stay. Her roving soul seeks ever fresher scenery, aches for the promise of what she has not seen. She is the gypsy woman, her dangling earrings spangled with beads to avert your gaze from the wisdom in her eyes. She has witnessed these spells of love before. She already knows the crystal moon of your face, dimly lit and the way forbidding clouds will fill your eyes. She could decorate your body with feathered charms of garnet, amethyst, turquoise, sprinkle you with rosemary and sage, pluck a hair from your sleeping head to wrap around her heart the way her grandmother taught her. And she would, if she were desperate for something to hold. But her faith lay only in motion now, 
like a wave that lives for the roll. And her bags are always packed, always ready. I have to take you somewhere creepy now, but it's close to Halloween, so. 2330 Stevens Avenue. This is not where I am. This is worse than a memory of a house in Arizona where the desert breeze carried cold sand through roughly cut plaster windows with no shutters or screens. Pieces of plywood hammered over the hole in the bedroom wall. Six kids lined like sleeping planks on the bare wood floor. But the smallest boy was watching the makeshift shield dismantle. He heard each splinter fall, echo through the pine boards pressed against his ear, carried that sound to a deeper place. There is the ghost of a man with a rifle in a rocking chair, listening to the night creak around him. He fingers the, strokes the trigger as he thinks about the impact of bullets on skin. He does not yet know that he is hunting himself. He can't feel the stiff weight of the barrel on his tongue or taste the metallic hum that follows. He doesn't know that 25 years later his youngest son will lie on this couch that is dressed like a bed, just a seven-year-old boy that is dressed like a man with all his doors nailed shut or tied with electrical cord and cloth. There are nightmares safer than this room. Our daughter's photographs set like shrines surrounded by laundry, unopened mail, and trash. But this is not where I am. This is the moment where language stops making sense, where he speaks with razor blade symbols etched into his arms and legs. This is where fear dissolves the mind into scraps of childhood. A boy, beaten and raped, crouched in the bathroom corner. This is a cell built by a lonely man, waiting for his mother, wondering where is the woman who loved him. This place feeds his rush, intoxication, the third-generation bottle of rum, his spoon-boiled addiction. This is the pulse of possible destruction that quickens the junkie's heart rate. The prison of an orphan child passed from house to house until home is only temporary shelter and nowhere is safe. The tick and knock of uninvestigated noises bleeds into sleep, itching from the inside when he wakes in the dark sweating among the uncertain shadows to the scratching on the wood-covered window. He knows, even if his throat were not a petrified cube, even if he could scream for help, he might hear the tread of his father's boots or feel the threatening bet, threatening bet of his rifle. But there would be no one to hold him or tenderly whisper, it's not your fault. Only the click of the plywood splinters falling on the pine wood floor and the echo, the echo of memory. All right, so you have five minutes. Go smoke, drink beer, get all your itchy antsy outsy. Okay, cool. World, Buddy Wakefield, yay!
All right. I'm, I'm going to try to make it all better, you guys. But it's just words. Um, thanks for coming. I love Kalamazoo. I'm not just saying that. If you were here before, um, I was here in June for like a practice tour. What's happening right now is um, I just sold everything I owned and got a car, and it's just me and my car and what will fit in it, and I'm on tour for poetry for two years for Slam and the Spoken Word. And uh, okay, thanks. And, and I, uh, anyways, I had to do a practice, a little practice run to, to see, uh, to work out any kinks in the tour. And um, Kalamazoo was one of the like six stops, and you guys were awesome to me. So it's good to be back. Um, I'm gonna warm up. I'll stop talking and do a poem. I'm supposed to be doing poetry. Okay, this will be easy to hear. Okay, can I tell you that I'm really excited, though, you guys? First, I, I'm blessed with amazing friends. And uh, the, the, I've been spending the, I've been, this is week 11 of the two-year tour. And um, it, it's, it's, uh, it can be taxing, but the last week I've just gotten to spend with my greatest friends in the world. And tonight, the, uh, the light of my life, Danielle Plunkett, is here. And... Um, the producer of my album, whose mother lives in South Bend, is also here. And I'd just like you guys to give them a big KZ welcome if you would take place. Okay, now I'll, I'll stop. Uh, just pretend, please, if you would. On this side, there's a monkey making bass in a jug with its tongue. Okay, thank you. Over here, there's a pitch black woman dressed in a slow tornado who looks so much like the nighttime she turns almost blue in the sun. She's going to carry us through this tune with Huntsville, Texas and the Soul Lifters Gospel Choir. That, that's my backup diva. <laughs> All right, pretend back here if you would. It's just one big bang. Now it's you. Pretend you're just being yourselves. Pretend you live for a living. Pretend inside your skin you got a friend who's willing to give you everything you ever wanted in exchange for all you've ever been. Pretend you're more obsessed with this moment, y'all, and a little bit less with the way it ends. And for a moment, pretend this is a plywood lemonade stand with a sign on the front that reads, I got no more lemons, just my opinions, yours for a dime a dozen today. And they're always going to be on the table, but only some going to set you free. Okay, now here's what I'm going to need you to believe. Please. Believe that here stands a man who pretends not to fall apart, who gets so nervous that his lips peel back when we give any slack to the dark, who gets so God solid scared you're going to want to talk about tomorrow again, that he'll pretend to stand and listen with a sharp look on his face while a monkey plays bass, bass with a backup diva pulling back up faith for this one man cross universe relay race to try and be more than human, beginning and ending moment by moment rolled over rebirthing again because history is repeating itself in record time, y'all know we got to stop acting like nothing's happening when we got six billion dawning truths setting six billion different suns on you but we six billion gods are all still up in arms over what it will cost to follow through so that you can be me forever, my friend, at the same time I get to be you. So you can rock me, brother, rock, and you can soothe me, sister, soothe like one big bang, because I don't believe the big bang really happened yet. I think the small bang might have went...
But the Big Bang is just on its mark. It's getting set and is really ready to go. Kind of like a slow tornado growing larger than six billion words, moving faster than a sky that flies farther away from every square inch of us racing birds. It looks a lot like it would if just one brain in the heart of this place rose up to the actual size of the actual voice it actually contained into just one head singing just one song with a word. And six billion looks on its face to see a monkey play bass, to feel a backup diva with a backup faith going off like one big all right okay d d quick disclaimer anybody that was at nationals knows i totally ripped off that part where i go morris more, but it's it's so fitting time I was here I brought this toy that I had bought but um and I've used it some yeah it's for <laughs> yeah the scoop scope and it's for people in the back who can't see so if there's anybody back there and you know and you're having some trouble seeing this works just fine but listen when you're done I it's too I, it's just me and my car and what'll fit in it so I don't carry it around I'm not gonna carry it around anymore D it's yours baby Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get this part out of the way because I'm a terrible salesman, but I have CDs for 10 bucks and uh, books for 5 bucks. This is how I make my living. No pressure. Okay, and the CD is not um, just like somebody, somebody in some crispy uh, sound booth recording studio that paid lots of money just reading words it's a heavily produced very quality cd with lots of music and it's very tight and i'm very proud of it so um stop selling things buddy okay okay um oh i'll do another poem uh oh this is new relatively um the first two times i did it were uh in front of generally older um crowds like over 40 or 50 and uh i'm sorry forever has to get on the mic next that's pizza um but i was approached afterwards and said said man that's just a sweeping generalization the, the poem i'm about to read but it's not i'm really i'm really specific in the first line so <clears throat> this is for the 20 something 30 Middle-aged, old women, old men, still bitter, projecting your anger on our beautiful work in progress, a major motioning picture called children. I was just wondering, is there some kind of limit on how many kids y'all plan to confuse? Now I'm coming at you with a strong conviction, old people, that when y'all are all sitting on the soapbox on tall-tailed high horses gossiping about how you just can't seem to make sense of kids today, I'm thinking that's when you need to check out the examples you've been giving us to work with. See, now I, 
Because now I wait my turn in line buying anywhere from 10 to 10 hundred of you critical windbags daily through supermarkets, restaurants, stoplights, and gangbangs so I know that getting a single friendly gesture out of just one of you non-children fatheads can feel like coming in contact with a kiss, a simple thank you, an excuse me, a nod, a wave. Maybe you could wish me a powerful day, something to let a brother know your back isn't completely turned. Yeah, okay, I know, I get it. I'm the low guy on the scrotum pole talking here. But you got to get it too. If you ever want to make sense of us, you got to make sense to us without telling us your tool to walk that far. You got to try understanding why we like looking like rag dolls, why we like looking like the way we feel and why we keep our senses floored when it's you behind the wheel. And if you ever really do want to understand why we seem so angry, well, for one, you told us we could be anything we wanted to be, but right now we're a little busy dodging bombs. Okay, and two, rather than celebrating the gifts you got... We more often see you blowing fuses over simple mistakes on dinner receipts as if the waitress was purposely ramming you in the ass with dynamite sticks and Brandon kick me signs on your faces. It was an accident. You got to calm down. We make mistakes. Rethink this approach. Ask yourself, what would Bill Murray do in this situation? I've seen fish hooked who keep more patience in their worst gill than you've got in your best mood. If you were a sandwich at McDonald's, they'd call you the McGrump. You gotta get a grip, please. It's been another long day playing games in a schoolyard trying to make sense for an old people who won't be satisfied. So I suggest you hush up, turn around, and march those cranky asses straight back to your rooms while me and your sons and daughters try figuring out how to actually use all this forgiveness we found piling up in the laundry you still haven't washed because you've been too busy out prescribing all that hell and giving it away in hand baskets to those who send cash, act fast, call now. Well, this is me without Prozac. And this is me just shy of nicotine and motherfucker. This is my second time to fail anger management class. So for the love of greatness, please stop moving the hands of my clock to the time you had it made. I am way too busy working out the kinks here. You didn't exactly wind this thing back up when you were through hosing down all the big, bright, violent warning signs. We done lit up out in gangland and on down the road to Columbine where these kids you can't seem to make any sense of would stop holding you so far off the edge of your seats if you'd start holding yourselves to the promises you make. We know you're not perfect. Because we ain't perfect. And I know I'm not perfect. But I believe I was meant to be. in all the towns in all the world she walks into mine